All right, what's up, guys? Ian Cummings from Rigo's Rag here with the Rigo's Rag podcast. Here with uh, Jacob Kamaker, Nathan Britton. We're here to talk Redskins for you. Uh, if you missed our last episode, we run down the NFC East. You can go check that out on Rigo's Rag today. We're going to get right into it. We're going to go around the table. We're going to talk about some really enticing training camp position battles for the Redskins. This roster's in flux. A lot of changes this offseason. Jacob, we'll start with you because uh, this is your first time on. It's good to have you. Uh, he's hanging in there after Celtics lost on... Uh, I think Sunday or whatever, but uh, yeah, how's it going, Jacob? How you doing? Well, a couple is here north of Boston, but uh, we'll get over it. We got a pretty good team, and moving on to Redskins season, so can't complain about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what position are you looking at uh, for uh, position battles? I know there's a lot of them. It's tough to pick, but what are you looking at? What are you eyeing right now? So I'm thinking we talk running backs today because pretty much we know who's going to be the big dudes at running back. I mean, Darius Guy is probably going to be the lead back with Chris Thompson mixing in as the third down passing back that's so important to Alex Smith. Behind him, it's a little more unclear what we're going to be getting into because we got four or five candidates who could make the roster as that fourth running back. So I'm thinking we talk about them yeah there's a ton of candidates capri bibbs he was a guy who shined late in the season last year and then uh byron marshall he's a guy we haven't talked about you did an in-depth article on him you want to talk a little bit more about him because i know i know he's a jay gruden guy he's a guy that jay gruden probably you know he's kind of like hey that's that's one of my guys there he's keeping tabs on yeah so marshall Marshall's interesting in the way that he's not purely a running back. He's kind of like a dynamic playmaker. When he went to Oregon, that's how he was viewed. He'd play a little bit out of the backfield, but he'd also catch a lot of passes. He's one of the few players in Pac-12 history to have a 1,000-yard rushing season and a 1,000-yard receiving season. Uh, he hasn't done much in his two years at the NFL yet, but um, he's got some nice versatility. And uh, Gruden can use him as a returner, a receiver, a running back, so quite possible if he proves that he could be superior value on special teams that he can really make this team i don't know what you guys think but that's I mean, how i'm seeing it right now hey i mean that sounds good you know you, you bring up the stats and a thousand yards rushing and receiving in college i mean i know there's a lot of guys who produce at the college level and can't put it together at the next level you know i'm hoping byron marshall isn't that uh, I know he flashed a little bit last year, but he didn't have a lot of opportunities. I think injuries cut his season short, but you'll get what Jay Gruden's preferred over the years. You know, he, he likes that versatility, and especially with the running back room, you got Geis. You know, he's definitely our first and second down back, like you said, and then Chris Thompson, the third guy. Having a guy who can do a little bit of everything, kind of a chess piece in there, that, that, that can be an underrated need for this team. So if, if Marshall can live up to that, that's an interesting fit. You know, I, I'm excited to see how he performs this offseason. Another guy, I know you did an article on, uh, Martez Carter, the Grambling State guy. You know, Redskins fans love those underdog stories, and uh, you know, he, he's shaping up to be one this offseason. Yeah, so Carter, Carter's come out of, uh, not Grambling State, I always confuse that. Um, it's NCANT, which is a school where Tariq Cohen went. Carter's pretty similar to Cohen in the way that he's undersized, but he's so good at making plays in space. If you watch his tape, he's an explosive guy. They nicknamed him Mr. Excitement in college. And, you know, he's just a big play threat, and he could have a similar impact to Cohen if he makes it to the NFL, where he can be, like, a really good change of pace, big, explosive playmaking guy. So I actually had him on the 53-man roster in my original projections that I don't know if I released, but they were in my head. So I could definitely see Carter making the squad, and if not, he's, he's a guy who has to be on the practice squad just because of his explosive ability. Jacob, that's interesting that you said that you could see him making 53 because I have a couple of questions. I mean, we're looking at the second year of Samaje P. Ryan, who was a middle mid-round pick, and uh, the Robert Kelly train is starting to rear its head. So talk to me. I mean, it seems like I don't think you give up on Samaje P. Ryan after just one season. He showed 
a little bit of potential late late toward in the end of the season there. Rob Kelly, again, you know, Jay Green's a Rob Kelly guy. He looks like he's getting a lot of love in training camp. How would those two fit onto this roster if Mar- with Martez Carter? I mean, are they going to – they're not going to keep five running backs, are they? No, in no situation can I see them keep five running backs. They have too much talent at other positions to do that. Um, I agree with you in the fact that P. Ryan should be a roster lock. I actually think I had him rated as my fifth best running back last year, ahead of Joe Mixon, believe it or not. I liked P. Ryan a lot, um, and he did show upside, like you said. I've I've heard the hype about Kelly, too. I've written about it a little. I don't know if they're going to keep another power type back, because Geis and P. Ryan can both be that early downs guy who can carry the load. Kelly doesn't offer anything in the passing game, so I think they're going to be more apt to keep one of the Capri Bibbs, Martez Carter, Byron Marshall type guys who can do a little bit more of everything, and in the event that Thompson gets hurt again, uh, they'll have a natural backup. I would say Carter's chances of making the 53 are below 50-50 at this point. He's probably more likely a practice squad guy. But yeah. I still think his talent level could – he could flash in the preseason and surprise us all. He's just a guy to watch for sure. Yeah, I was – yeah, for sure. No, go ahead, Ian. Go ahead, Ian. There's a lot of talent in this running back corps. I mean, when I was doing my uh, top 100 players, I originally had Byron Marshall around 66. You know, I looked into it a little bit, moved him up into the 50s because, you know, he's a versatile guy like you said. And Carter, you know, it was really tough for me to rank all those undrafted free agents because there's a lot of talent there. But – I think this is a good problem to have. You know, you've got your top two guys set. You know, you're not deciding who's starting. You know, in previous years, we were like, all right, are they going to stick with Matt Jones? Are they going to stick with Robert Kelly? Now we know who the guy is, and it's Darius Geis. And we know Chris Thompson, if he can come back and get 100%, you know, he's going to provide that electricity to complement that. So the good thing is we're not debating about the starting job. We're debating about the third and fourth guys. Uh, you know, P. Ryan's probably going to be the third guy, but you know, behind him. So I think that's a good problem to have. I mean, yeah, actually, I want to walk back what you said about debating the starter. I, I wanted to ask Jacob, I mean, he seems very plugged in on the, this running back situation. Do you think Darius Geis is the week one starter? I mean, it, it, we have, we see the hype from fans. We see the lo- the lovable guy he is as a, as a person. But when you see the videos, I mean, you're not seeing anything that wows you. You, you, you know, just regular. And I know it's early in the process, but I don't think we can, as of right now, Sharpie him in as the week one. I, I feel that as of right now, if, if I had to guess, if, I, if the season started tomorrow, Samaj P. Ryan gets the start out of the backfield and it's Darius Geis' job to take midway through the year if P. Ryan struggles. What do you think? Nathan, I completely agree with you in the fact that Jay Gruden has been reluctant to trust rookie backs in the past, or young backs at least. Last year, I or the year before actually, 2016, Matt Jones came into the year as a starter, but he had been outperformed by Rob Kelly in the preseason. Exactly. And um, so I think you could see a situation where Gruden wants to go with P. Ryan early in the season as the starting back, but it's still going to be, if that happens, Geis is going to probably get equal carries. I don't see a situation in which Geis doesn't get equal carries. And I'll admit, I'm not as high on Geis as I think you guys were during the draft process. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I like Geis as a player, don't get me wrong. I think Adam Brady is my fourth back this year behind the two Georgia guys in Barkley. <laughs> I, we can debate this another time for sure, but... He's definitely a franchise running back, definitely an early down starter, and he has three down potential. But I could see P. Ryan starting over him just at the beginning of his career because Gruden has been reluctant to trust rookies. But I still think a month into the year, you're going to see guys be the starter. It's interesting yeah, that you guys sense. bring this up, yeah, because like, everything I've heard lately has been guys is going to be the day one starter, and he's going to get the bulk of the carries. And I, me, yeah, you said me and Nathan both higher on guys. I think if guys doesn't win over the coaches by 
preseason, then, you know, they're, they're going to end up easing him in. But, I mean, they're going to end up easing him in either way. But I think we got a problem if he's not winning him over because you look at the talent deficiencies that Kelly and Piran had. I think I think Geis is in a tier above them. So I hope he wins them over. But there's a lot of intrigue of that position. Also, another position we're going to touch on, uh, the wide receiving core. You know, you got some lockdown positions with Doxon and Crowder and Richardson. But behind that, anything goes. Nathan, what can you tell us about that? I know Trey Quinn's season is still rolling. Full steam, full throttle. So yeah, do you got the Trey Quinn season tattoo yet? I mean, you're the <laughs> the ring leader for it. Oh yeah, no, seriously. but I, like you said, I think Jameson Crowder, Josh Doxson, and Parson. I think those are the three locks. I think those are the three starters uh, at the position. Obviously, Josh Doxson, a couple years removed from being the first round pick, Paul Richardson, big off season acquisition, and Jameson Crowder, mid round pick, who's proven that he can be one of the best uh, slot weapons in the sport. After that, I mean, you have Robert Davis. I'm just looking at uh, Ian. Your article where you did the 90 all 90 guys rank you have paul richards uh, robert davis trey quinn brian quick mo harris i mean those are really the only guys you have that have experience so i think as of right now trey quinn is a lock uh i think brian quick is probably a lock and then for that what sixth spot i mean it's a toss-up between do they want mo harris or have they seen enough of the project of robert davis or maybe one of these these undrafted guys comes in and, and surprises them I like Simi Cobbs a lot. I like the potential there. I don't know if they would get him on the practice squad. I know he's not going to go out and be Antonio Brown or Julio Jones or anything, but if there's a notion that they can't get him on the practice squad, I would like to see him on the 53. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that you got Trey Quinn and Brian Quick as as your as your next two guys who are locks, and, and Trey Quinn sooner rather than later could be pushing Jameson Crowder or Josh Doxson for, for snaps, depending on how they perform, because. I mean, we look at it, Josh Doxson hasn't really impressed anybody. He's had a few flashes last season, but his rookie year, we know how that went, that debacle. Last year, he, he struggled to get on past Terrell Pryor, who we all know how he is a receiver, and Ryan Grant, who proved he's serviceable, but not anywhere near what the ceiling of Josh Doxson is. He struggled to get on the field against them. And then when he did, he, he could not put consistent performances together. So you look at a guy like Trey Quinn, who everybody loves, even though you know he exists and everybody loves him, but if he if he's the real deal, if he's what everybody say he is, I mean, you could see him pushing Josh Doxson, Jameson Crowder. I, I, th- if this is not his contract year, next is you just saw what Jarvis Landry got as a glorified slot receiver up there in Cleveland. So I mean, they could look at it and say, you know what, we'll use Jameson Crowder. But if Trey Quinn's going to be the future at that position, you know, maybe they they give Trey Quinn some looks, you know, equal looks fifty fifty with Crowder. What yeah. do you guys think? I mean, I think uh, it's interesting that you regard Quick and Quinn as locks. I think, you know, I think Quinn is a lock. I'm not going to go as far as saying he's going to push Doxon. I think Doxon, I think Doxon's going to take a leap this year. He's got the athleticism for it. And I know, you know, I was a Kirk Cousins stan, I'll admit, but, you know, once he left, I had to take a step back and realize, you know, Smith is definitely a more precise passer. I think he'll keep the ball in the vicinity more often with Doxon. So I think that can, I think he can help Doxon out there and, He's still a young receiver, so I, I think he'll take a jump this year. I don't think Quinn's going to threaten him, but I think the Redskins value keeping their guys fresh and getting their guys snaps, and I think that Quinn, uh, what bodes well for him is that he's got that positional versatility. You know, you look at the Redskins' uh, wide receivers. They have Doxon, who's the number one guy. Richardson, he's the speed guy, and then Crowder, he's the slot guy. And then everyone behind that, you know, they're six foot three. They're guys that are going to be on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Trey Quinn though; he's six foot, two hundred, uh, and he can he can he's got the route running abilities to do a lot of damage in the slot. 
but he can also go on the outside. He's really good at measuring the high point, getting it to the high point, and making contested catches. So I think, and you know, that's evident with the 114 catches he got in SMU last season. So I think not a lot of receivers on the Redskins roster can operate both in the slot and on the outside. Quinn can do that. And I think that's going to help him a lot. Uh, you know, he's a seventh round pick. People like to uh, bring that up, but his tape suggested he was better than that. I think that um, when it's all said and done, his value will come from that versatility and from his pro readiness. And I see him jumping into a role that kind of expands beyond what Ryan Grant did last season, just because just because Quinn's got, I think he's got definitely the more precise route running ability, the really good hands, and he can run after the catch too. He's just a really solid prospect. I don't know why he slipped around seven, but we'll see how that shakes out. Jacob, what are your thoughts on all this? Because there's a lot of intrigue around the wide receiving core. So it's it's interesting that you brought up Ryan Grant and Trey Quinn in the same breath, because I, I think in his first year, Trey Quinn is going to be very similar to how Ryan Grant was um, before last season for the Redskins, where he served as the number four receiver, came in with his precise route running ability and made plays when necessary and then eventually worked his way into a starting role as a quality receiver. I think Quinn's going to be able to do that. He'll have a similar ascension path to Grant, but he's probably a better overall player. Um, In terms of the rest of the receiving core, I'm not sure I view Brian Quick as as much of a lock as you do, Nate, Um, but um, that's because I I just don't understand. They didn't use him last year very much, despite injuries at the position. They used him something like 7 to 8% of the time on offense, which I found bizarre. So I think that the guys like Robert Davis and Simi Cobbs, who you mentioned, are going to possibly push for those roster spots. I think Robert Davis is really in for a year where he could make the leap and be a quality backup. And I'm a big fan of Simi Cobbs as well. But I'd say the name to watch in terms of veterans that are like really on the bubble is Brian Quick, because I know they re-signed him and everything, but they just barely used him last year, so I didn't understand that. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, or if you do, Nathan. Yeah, you, you said it there, the key word is veteran. I think that you look at the names they have, and I know Paul Richardson's been here, been in the league for a few years, Bo Harris, uh, James Crowder at this point, but Brian Quick's really that, that the most veteran guy they have at that position group. So even if they're not going to use him, even if he is the fifth or sixth receiver, having that veteran there who can help teach these guys, help Trey Quinn, help Robert Davis, who are going to be first-year, essentially first-year players, in the case of Robert Davis, that that helps a lot. They they didn't use him a whole lot, but Alex Smith is is someone who is very he's very he likes to have reliable receivers. And with him being a veteran, being in the league this long, he wasn't terrible with the Rams. He was he didn't do too much last year, but you know he it wasn't like he was out there dropping every pass that came his way. I, I think that he could very easily be a guy on this team who's the back end where if, you know Doxson goes down or Richardson who's had injuries or James Crowder gets banged up, he could step in and. And Alex Smith can have that comfortability knowing that he's been around the block, he's been in the league for a while, he knows what to do and, and how to do it. That That's just why I look at it. I don't think from a skill perspective he would really be a lock. Of, it's just the veteran presence and, you know, having that experience is why I, I think he makes this roster. Yeah, it's That makes sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting because, like Jacob said, I don't know why they didn't use him more. I mean, I know he suffered a concussion in, against the Seahawks, and that sidelined him for the rest of the season. But before that, Terrell Pryor was dealing with injuries. Uh, I, I can't remember what else was going on. I know Maurice Harris Harris wasn't getting too many snaps either. I know Jameson Crowder was inconsistent. Josh Doxson, he, he was kind of struggling to hit the field early in the season. He, he found a rhythm eventually, but... Uh, you know, Quick was a guy the season before he came to the Redskins was his breakout season. I think he had four over 40 catches, over 500 yards. 
And that was in an offense that I think wasn't as well coached with Jeff Fisher, didn't have as much talent. So I think it, it was really interesting to see him come in and just, I think, seven catches for like 88 yards. So yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I don't think he's a lock, but he's got that special teams veteran value. He's the oldest Redskins rece- receiver by three years, I think, three or four years. So I think that veteran knowledge, I think that'll bode well for him uh, in the roster battle. Uh, real quickly, you guys brought up my fav- one of my favorite receivers coming up, Robert Davis. Uh, this guy, uh, honestly, one of my favorite receivers on the team. Uh, I like him. I know. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty good. I don't mean to lie, but he, uh, on my 90, on my 90 player roster rankings, I, I had him at 39th. I had him as the fourth receiver behind the, the three starters. Uh, he, he ran a four, four at six foot three. And he, he put up consistent numbers at college at Georgia state. I, I really think if they can hone his athleticism, cause he, he's got a basketball background, really athletic, uh, and he's fast and he's tall, rangy. You know, I see nothing preventing him from taking on an increased role in this offense with Alex Smith and all the supporting stars around him. I think I think he's due for a breakout season as a really solid backup. And I, I like what we have with Quinn and Davis. I think I think that'll end up being our four and five. Quinn, be, just because of his versatility, he'll be higher than Davis. But Davis is a guy who can fill in for Doxon when he's tired and provide that athletic presence on the side and get those contested catches. So I really like Robert Davis. I think he could be in for a breakout year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm a sucker when it comes to wide receivers. If you can give me a wide receiver who's 6'3", 6'4", big, big, thick guy can go from the middle who runs a 4'4", dude, I'm taking him first round every time. I don't care what his production in college is. I, just, I fall in love with those big receivers. I can't evaluate them. But one thing I do want to bring up is we're saying he's due for a breakout year, and I know a lot of people, anyone who listens to this might think, that that means that he's going to come in and he's going to have that Pro Bowl type season. I think the expectations, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ian, but I think when you say breakout year as a backup, I think we're looking at as a guy who can come in in a reduced role, obviously, because you have the big three and, and anyone else who's in front of him as a as a guy who's still a project, but maybe have between in the 30s to 40 catches catch range, maybe get up into the 50s, and you know, five six hundred yards and a few touchdowns, and you'll take that as as your fourth or fifth option. I mean. If you can, you know, you sub out Josh Doxon or Paul Richardson and you get a guy in there who can go give you that type of production, I mean, that's huge to have, you know, especially when you get late into the season when guys are banged up and, you know, maybe, you know, you got to, if, if you're not in the hunt for plus, maybe you got a wild card or the division, not saying anyone's going to have it, but, you know, you're you're in the driver's seat. You can, you know, you let Josh Doxon take a game off, James and Crowder Paul Richardson take a game off for him to come up and, you know, them to get rested and him to come up and get some, some work in. So I think that's a very good, valuable piece to have as, as your fourth or fifth receiver. Yeah, and I'll just agree with what you guys said. I think you guys hit it right on the head. He's big, he's fast, he's athletic. And, you know, as a primary backup, if he can get some more seasoning behind Doxon, I really like him to eventually, like, develop into a starter on the outside, potentially. Um, he has the upside necessary to do that. So I'm I glad you said that. Hyping him up a bit. I didn't. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to be so bold. But Jacob just stepped right in. You know, no holds <laughs> barred. I like it. I like it, guys. We're we're too diplomatic. Let's get into something. I, I'm hoping. I know Nathan agrees with me on this. Let's go to cornerbacks. Uh, yeah. I we got a we got a big battle. A lot of intrigue uh, with Quentin Dunbar and Fabian Moreau. Uh, Jacob, who do you think is going to earn that job? Because I think 
both of you know I'm a staunch Quentin Dunbar supporter. Nathan, Nathan will agree with me there. What's your take there? I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. And is Orlando Skandrick a guy you're looking at there? I mean, Greg Stroman, sleeper, big sleeper. I don't know. What's your take? So if I was picking, if I was to pick who was going to start opposite of Josh Norman, Ian, I would go with you. I'd go Quentin Dunbar. The dude's been good. He's just, he's improved. He was an undrafted free agent, wide receiver, converted to corner, and he's held his own. I mean, he's played as well as Breland did at times. It, you know, there's still room for growth with Dunbar. However, as I see it with what the Redskins are doing right now, it looks like they want to trust Skandrick as their starter on the outside who moves into the slot in nickel packages, which they run the nickel a lot, so that wouldn't be a major deal. But I think that would be a mistake. I think they're best served letting Dunbar and Moreau battle it out, um, see which one earns more playing time. My money would be on Dunbar for now with Moreau eventually taking the nickel role from Skandrick. Uh, but I think I think we're in a really good position at corner. I think we got six guys who are definitely going to make the team and a couple of guys who could definitely be good practice squad players in Danny Johnson and Ray Anthony Texada. So, I mean, the, the Redskins have done really well adding talent to their cornerbacks. I don't know what you guys think, but that's how I see it right now. I'm uh, actually very surprised to say that because I look at it and I think that's one of – I mean, in, 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 by the end of the year – the guys they have could completely change this notion, but I think it's one of the thinnest positions they have. I mean, Josh Norman is he, he's in decline. I'm not saying he, he's he's good. He's still good, but he's not what he once was, when, especially when you brought him here. Quentin Dunbar's been good, but he's been a small sample size. We don't know anything about Fabian Rowe. Orlando Skandrick's been good. He's, he's up there in age, though. And then after that, you got guys who haven't played really any NFL down, so... I don't think this is the worst position. I don't think we're going to get burned out on the outside or over the top because of these guys or anything. But I do think it's one of the a position of need, really, especially if Dunbar. Now, if Dunbar and Moreau pan out, then that's fine. I think – I know I've told Ian this. I think that this is Josh Norman's last year on the team. I think what you're going to get from him from here on out and his cap number is just too much to pay. Um, you know, he's he's just not what he was when he came here. So then you look at – Quentin Dunbar and Fabian Moreau because you know Orlando Scandrick's a one or two year guy. He's not going to be here long term. And if those guys don't take a big step forward this year, both of them, whether you know Moreau's not starting or not, I mean he's got. They both have to come in and they have to with, when they play, they have to show what they can do it because otherwise you're looking at that being the top position of need going into next off season. And the, I know you know everyone's getting more athletic and faster, but. To get shut down corners, it's not easy. You're not, especially this team is poised to have a late teens to twenties pick this year. It's very hard unless someone falls to you to get a shut down corner. And I don't think we want to go spend another Josh Norman contract. You don't want to go do that because that just hampers you elsewhere. So I think that this is a thin position, and I just want to, you know. See what you guys think about what, what do you expect from Quentin Dunbar and Fabian Moreau? No, no, I, I definitely agree with you. It is, you know, in terms of proven talent, it's a relatively thin position. The thing that reaffirms my confidence in Quentin Dunbar, uh, you know, I like to project things, and I'm an unhealthy optimist. I'll admit that. So take everything I say with a grain of salt in the off season. But um, you know, I, Quentin Dunbar. Let's go back. Let's go back to 2015. This guy was an undrafted free agent, wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, and I, I know Jay Gruden, it was a good quote from Gruden. He said, uh, you know, uh, he's glad that Dunbar's working out at corner cause he sucked at receiver. But, uh, uh <laughs> so they, they switched from the corner right away. And, 
you know, he every year he's shown growth. Uh, last year, last year was the first year he got substantial snaps at, at starter because I know Nor- both Norman and Bashad Breland dealt with injuries and Dunbar filled in for them. He did really well. I don't want to say really well. You know, there were there were some times, you know, mistakes. You know, whenever you're getting your first substantial snaps, you're gonna you're gonna need some adjustments to be made. But you know, I look at Dunbar. He's 25 years old, six foot two, really long, long cornerback, disruptive, can make plays on the ball, and he's quick. You know, you look at wide receivers. We were talking about Robert Davis earlier, four four, six three, speed. Or four four speed, six three height, six three speed, that wouldn't be so good. But uh uh I think, <laughs> I would think not. No, no, for sure. That's that's Tom Brady range. We're not looking for that. But um I think that you look at Dunbar, wide receivers more often have that height speed combo. Uh the corners are better, you know, they got short area quickness and stuff. Uh Dunbar's got those traits that wide receivers have. You know, he's he's a little more athletic, he's a little more you know, I think I think he's better in that, you know, physically gifted area. I think he's got the measurables for it. And I really think that, you know, because he, he was an undrafted receiver. Let's remember. So he did not have a solid foundation at cornerback. And so every year I think he's been learning and getting more nuanced at the position. And I think we the only thing we can expect from him is more growth, especially with Torian Gray at the helm. So, you know, I think just mm-hmm. because of the, the weak foundation that he had, every year he's getting better. So I think, uh, I personally think that the bar for him is low this year because of how low he started, I think that he's just going to keep improving. You know, I, I'm very optimistic about Dunbar. Plus, I just I like I like the long sleeves, the classic look. I like the 47. <laughs> Quentin Dunbar. It just sounds like a Hall of Famer, guys, right? No, just kidding. But I think I think he's <laughs> yeah, got it does. a little. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, it's got that ring to it. But I think he's definitely got potential. He people like to say Moreau's got potential. But don't use that to discredit Dunbar because Dunbar, he's still young and he's got that height. He's got the length to really be a good cornerback. He's got great upside. We haven't seen it, you know, in full games, full seasons yet, but this will be his first chance. I think he'll take it and run with it, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You guys got something to add? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I want to go, you know, bring it back to what I said. I know I was down on this position, but I am. Very high on Quentin Dunbar. This is going to be, I don't know how you guys are going to think about this, but I think as of right now, at his peak, when he's on, he's better. He's a better cornerback than Brashad Breeland is. Um, can he do that, you know, consistently enough? We'll see this year. We haven't seen it. You know, he's it's a small sample size for him the past few years. But when he's on, man, I mean, it looks like he's been doing it his whole life. But there's been times where he's been caught out of position and, you know, just beat, beat here and there. And it makes you wonder, you know, if that's going to be your outside guy, you get, you got to wonder which Quentin Dunbar you're going to get for, you know, 60 minutes. Because, you know, when he's on, man, I'm telling you, that dude, he's good. I think he's better than Prashad Breeland. I think he's absolutely someone you can have on the outside. But you got to wonder with the inexperience of and the not being a full-time guy at the position, what, what you're going to get from him over the course of, full games over the season yeah and if i can just jump in at like my final point and this is harkening back to something that ian said i'm very confident in torian gray as a defensive backs coach um last year kendall fuller fell into the category of unproven i know they had worked together in college gray and fuller but he became like a top 10 corner in the league oh yeah so i think that 
Gray has the potential to help Dunbar and Moreau in his second season with them develop into quality starters. And I think that's really what you're looking for. I agree, Nate, this is probably one of the weaker position groups, and Norman is in decline. But if these young guys can step up, the Moreaus, the Dunbars, and even Strowman, who Ian, I know you really like, oh, yeah. um, if they can step into big roles, I think the secondary is going to pan out well because the defensive line in front of them is going to be rushing the quarterback like crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, and like you like you said earlier, Kendall Fuller was coached by Torian Gray in college. Greg Strowman, coached by Torian Gray in college. So or for, oh, yeah. for one year, I think, for one year until until uh, Gray went to the Redskins. But there's a connection there, and I think Strowman's got potential. This whole cornerback group has potential. But uh, we're out of time, guys. Uh, a lot of good stuff on position battles. Uh, yeah, looking forward to talking next week. We got uh, content coming up on Rigo's Rag. Both Nathan, Jacob, and I going to be writing. Make sure to check it out. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Peace out, guys. Have a good night.